in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. everyone welcome to another brand new episode of the top 10 show i am john roca i am matt nost uh here for another week of the, the top 10 show um <laughs> we did the random number generator and came up with 2001 for this one that we did 2001 movies you know on the heels we've been doing some really fun uh episodes with years matt like just counting down the best films of the years and i love when we get into it look look i hope our fans bear with us i mean there's no movies coming out. There's only so many movies yeah. coming out. So we're going to have to come up with new ideas, new topics, what have you. The Boss Hog people have been incredible in helping us get topics. But sometimes we just want to go back to something we feel really works for us and breaking down movies from a year, a random year, as Matt said, from the random generator challenges us to like look back on this year and see which one are our top 10 films now in retrospect in 2020, looking back on these films and mm-hmm. seeing which ones hold up and which ones don't. I hope it's a lot of fun for you all as well watching us uh, thinking about these films again if you haven't thought about them in a bit and i think also we don't want to burn through ideas that we may want to you know end up using once this pandemic ends absolutely now, we've done it like when we did harry potter it's like that the next fantastic beast would eventually come out yeah it's yeah, like yeah. eventually would have come out type of thing right 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 um so it, that was as good a time as any but to do a superhero themed show it's, we've done one but yeah. There's going to be a lot of superhero films in the next year yeah, uh, type of thing. Why not try and save those or some sort of Star Wars theme? It's like they're, they're right around the corner. And then once yeah. the floodgate opens for those, they're going to, you know, the whole rigmarole of like, we're going to dial back how many we release. But I don't <laughs> believe you for a fucking second. Uh, right, right, right. Exactly. At the very least, they'll shift and do more Mandalorian type things. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. They will. That's a fair Which, point. I've watched a, a behind-the-scenes vignette type. Of, it was like 25, 30 minutes long about yeah. the technology they used to shoot that show. Yep. It's on, super interesting. Yeah, on Disney+. Plus, It's pretty incredible, yeah. man. Yeah. Instead of doing the green screen, it's these back like LED type of things, and they can change mm-hmm. the whatever you want it to be, and it feels like a realistic set. Uh, and that's, that's crazy. It costs a lot of money to set it up. Yeah. Yeah, but if you use it enough, it more than pays off for itself, and it's the much cheaper and quicker route to go. Yeah, yeah, in the long run. Yeah. So and when you see it, it's just like you're, you're just blown away by it, man. Yeah, and it doesn't look great. cheesy. It doesn't look like it doesn't look obvious, and that's one of the positives for sure, man. There, yeah, there are only a couple of times, and I think they might have been this. Did they use any CG in season one? I think so. Yeah, there was some, but I don't think it was anywhere the level that people thought it was initially. And then yeah. that's why seeing that behind the scenes stuff, everyone was like, whoa, you can do this? You know, and so it's pretty incredible to see that. And, and probably helps. Uh, it would have helped, I guess, if they hadn't finished shooting already before the COVID shutdowns happened. It would have helped them to keep to, to maintain shooting because you can tell there's like distance between the other actors and other yeah. you know between themselves using that technology so it could have been a, it could have been a way to make that happen still even though um you know the covid restrictions were in place so who knows but 
So in the future, maybe and when they get ready for episode three or season three. I read some dust up the other day, like Pedro mm. Pascal walked off the set <laughs> because he wanted to take his helmet off. No, it's all, that, that's all yeah, bullshit. It has to be because they told him that from moment one. And yeah. plus, it's a stand-in. Right. It does almost all of it. So it's yeah. all voiceover. Yeah. It's like Brendan Fraser on Doom. He doesn't show up on set and put on that costume. That is someone yeah. else. Yeah, on Doom like, Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or Doom Patrol. It's just as a it's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, right. And Pedro's got a million other things he's doing. So to because he's involved with other function uh, sorry, other groups and charities and, and uh foundations. So for him to just, you know, like kind of uh, record the dialogue, roll in there, do his thing. It's it's great. And people don't go, oh, who's the stand-in? You know, it's like Darth Vader. People didn't go, David Prowse, I got to, you know, I, we got to yeah. get this guy. It was like James Earl Jones, you know, that's that's who they connect to that character. That's who brings it to life. And just like, that's why I think it's weird when people say, oh, he's so mad. Bullshit. He, he's following the tradition of Star Wars, which is to voice over things and have you be the star when you voice over it. And they don't necessarily see your face until afterwards. Now, I get with yeah. Pedro that there has to be one. There have been one episode where, but I know for sure that I know for sure. I just have a feeling he's not the kind of guy that will storm off because he no, can't he see his it. face. He gets the lore of the Star Wars. So that's and- just people trying to fucking create clicks and drama they told him from moment one yeah exactly that's what this is gonna be yeah and you either sign on or you don't it's like tom cruise with iron man i'll do it but we need to somehow see my face way more often yeah can't do it tommy i think and this is uh maybe my cynical part of myself there matt i think it's i think it's people who are like uh part of the gina carano team trying to take attention away from the controversial stuff that she said over the last few weeks. So they uh, drop a, they drop a story like this to kind of distract you from, uh, from her nonsense. Uh, and, um, and now everyone's like, Oh, did Pedro Pascal storm off? Did he not storm off? It's all of that crap. And so it takes attention away from her right as season two drops. So either way, it's bad. Look, both sides. It's bad. Look for her to make those comments right as season two, the trailer and all this about to premiere in about a month. And it's mm-hmm. bad form for if who is ever leaking these stories, these fake stories about Pedro oh, yeah. uh, storming off. It's bad look all around. So if I'm Favreau or I'm Filoni, I'm super fucking pissed. Like this is even coming out, you know? And Carano, you could easily be killed off. Yeah, right. Because she's not the lead. Cara yeah. Dune is not the lead. Very great character. easily. Yeah, yeah. great character. Yeah. But yeah. they could just as easily yeah. bring in somebody else. Absolutely. I mean, Carl Weathers... Is also the same situation. Carl is great, uh-huh. but they can replace him at any moment. It's, yeah, the man, it's called the Mandalorian, you know. Exactly. It is a wandering gunslinger. So right. he just wanders somewhere else and you're not a part of this. You're not now. a part of it. He just wanders right out of your story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, exactly. So enjoy enjoy it while you got it. Don't screw this up. But you know, yeah. people people do it all the time. They have, yeah, of course they do. They, they get a, a little bit of platform, they start to feel themselves. And Matt, in these political times, you know, some of these people have very strong opinions about stuff and they, I know, uh, I don't think they can handle the blowback. And then they play victim of being bullying or bullying or harassed. If you go on social media and you make a controversial statement and you're going to cry to me about bullying or harassment, it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. You know what you're doing. You're yeah. going on social media. There's 10 years of evidence to show you what happens if you make a controversial statement on social media. So don't make controversial statements on social media. And if you do, have have the strength to be like this is what's going to come with it so screw it yeah. this is part stand of stand by what you said right exactly especially exactly. for an entertainer because right you exist on the good graces of the collective 
yeah. goodwill of society at large, as opposed to if an athlete does it. Right. It's like, uh, it's more about those that, you know, are paying to see and specifically watching. Yeah. Um, I guess you could say that about, you know, uh, Disney Plus with her as well. But I don't know. Entertainers, you exist on a different sphere to me than politicians or musicians or like they have a built in base that's already yeah. feeding them. Yeah. They don't need to seek out projects type of thing. They make their own and people consume the projects they create. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. And I don't mean that I condone any of it, obviously. I'm just saying this is just part of it. This is the game. Yeah. yeah. It's when a politician cries foul at that type of stuff and be like, it's politics. It's yeah. exactly what it's always been. And uh, and always you know, will be. Yeah. yeah, always will be. Welcome to Hugh. I mean, if you go back and watch the old documentaries, and man, I know you're a fan of documentaries. You watch those old historical documentaries of these of these elections. Go and watch that Roosevelt's documentary with Ken Burns. I mean, watching, seeing the signs that they wrote against Roosevelt and in in the political rallies against him, seeing some of the brutally uh, ugly things they would say about Roosevelt, make fun of his condition, make fun of his polio. Like you're just like Jesus Christ. So we've always been ugly in our politics and in our campaigning for a politics. This is nothing yeah. new. If no. you study your history, this is nothing new. It's so. just more effective now. Right. It is right because the the reach is farther. Yeah, and you yeah. can target specifically to. Yes. This person liked this type of video. Okay, well, we have an ad that kind of touches on that issue. Yeah. yeah. Let's direct the ad towards them. Absolutely. Absolutely. A thousand uh, percent agree with you, man. Yeah, no. that's the the difference. You just got me when you brought up Roosevelt. Can you imagine being in the crowd when Teddy Roosevelt got shot and oh, said, yeah. fuck it, I'm still speaking for an hour and ten yeah. minutes? It's like something out of the WWE. I don't... McFoley's getting care. off the stretcher to keep fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Anything above a flesh wound, which this was not, mm-hmm. that is incredibly impressive. It, it clearly is, wasn't dude. fatal, yeah. but you legitimately got shot. It's not like it's a deep cut and yeah. you can soldier on. <laughs> yeah, it's like graze the arm. It's like, oh, that's going to leave a scar, but I can staunch the bleeding and I'll make it out fine. It's, the, yeah. you know, it's not the end of the world where it's like, oh, I have a hole in my fucking body right now, <laughs> but I am going to continue to speak for 74 minutes. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Speech is going on for 90 minutes live and shit. Like, no, that won't happen today. But be so starved for any kind of entertainment. Oh, yeah. That I'll watch somebody speak for 90 minutes. Sure. <laughs> Not in today's world. Oh I mean, it God. does happen, but it's, you know, those rallies, political rallies are much rarer occurrence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, yeah, oh boy, gone. <laughs> he pulled out the speech too because the it speech the was speech. in his pocket, had the bullet hole in the speech. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, dude, how did you not win again? It was insane, insane, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, uh, it's a if you haven't seen that documentary for anyone who's listening or watching us, it's an incredible documentary that Ken Burns did about the Roosevelts. It's like eight parts, two hours each part. It's phenomenal exploration of the entire legacy of that family uh, in this country. You know, people talk about the Bushes and the Clintons. The Roosevelts are like prime political family, man. Yeah. Well, them and the Kennedys were setting up to be the next generation. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Never really panned out. Yeah. The Bushes have done well. Yeah. The Bushes. Right now, their legacy seems closer to the Adams family. With John and John Quincy, it's like okay, you had two, right. but then they have Jeb as a governor. I don't know if there was another Adams that held any like senior position like that with any uh, yeah. politics. But I don't know. Beyond, I'm sure they've got grandkids and cousins and stuff. Is 
potential House of Representative mm-hmm. for, you know, Georgia yeah. or Florida or somewhere down south. Yeah, certainly possible for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like Cheney's daughters for one oh, of yeah, the Liz. Dakotas, I believe, or something, right. or Idaho. Yeah, yeah. And she's been a strong, vocal part of the Republican Party for quite some time, even going against Trump at times, too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheney's uh, slowly with their own way, too. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So today, should we get into it? You want to talk about it? Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah. You want to, okay, okay. Today, we're to count down the top 10 films of 2001. Interesting year films. A lot of eclectic films, uh, Matt. A lot of interesting uh, uh, genres of films that were still somewhat viable uh, that were coming out of the 90s into the early 2000s. And then we'd see some of these kind of genres die a little bit over the next few years, but still breathing some life in this 2001. We have uh, some uh, some directors like co- really coming into their uh, own mm-hmm. as as directors. We have you know some we have an Oscar winner, a couple of Oscar winners playing around in here. There's so much happening in 2001. I don't mean Oscar winners like oh yeah, of course they're going to win Oscars, but like they've been they're going to win their Oscar with this year, or they've just recently won an Oscar and coming back strong as well. Some more films, some animated films, all kinds of stuff happening through. Uh, 2001, a lot of choices uh, all around. So franchises are starting in 2001. So all of it around Travolta is still viable in 2001. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things. Do you have a Travolta? Is that no, I'm, just th- I'm, I'm throwing these things out because I have also have a, a long list of honorable mentions as well. Okay. 2000. I, I started out, Matt, uh, like initially I was like, oh man, I, I've only got like five. And then, and then just like the tail end of the year, there's like an onslaught of a oh, lot wow. of great movies, man. Yeah. I've got, um, I know you'll have one that I don't have. But there's a there's a bunch of weird anomalies. Like I actually kind of really like that movie. Or, yeah, right. There I are. like that movie a lot of the time. And now looking back on it, it's kind of it's still good, but it's yeah. just nowhere near these others type of thing. Right. Right. Uh, Agreed, it was, it's a good year for movies. Certainly. Certainly. Surprisingly good year for movies. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right, uh, Matt. You want to tell them how the show works? Ah, uh, once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top ten lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Uh, um, right. At ten, I cheated. Okay. <laughs> I was going to cheat with one of two movies. All right. I don't know how the cheat works, but okay. You'll you'll hear in a second. Okay. It's one of the two movies that they're cheat in very similar ways. Okay. Or a very similar way, specific. But the one I chose was Conspiracy. Oh, the Mel Gibson one? No, 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 no. Which one? The uh, Kenneth Branagh, Stanley Tucci oh. released on HBO. Oh, you cheated because it's a, not a theatrical Yeah, it's not a film. The other one okay. was 61. Oh, 61 is great. I, dude, I, know. It, it, I, I, I I couldn't put it on the list. I wanted to, but it never got a theatrical release. So. That's why. So I'm cheating to put it in. I like okay. conspiracy. I put. I chose conspiracy because it's something I had never thought about, and then the idea that it actually happened, where they had a meeting to sit down and figure out the logistics of the final solution, mm-hmm. 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 and the craziness, the egos that you have to deal with, and they have all these different actors playing various heads and departments, and then when crazy things come up like yeah. how are we going to get all these people out of ghettos in warsaw yeah. well we'll turn to the department of this what what does your department say and they bureaucratically have to go down and figure yeah. out some people want to do the job others are like you're putting too much in our department yeah we need to farm some of this work out and you're like 
the rational discussion that's being had now is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. It's utterly absurd. And this, this happened <laughs> with the efficiency that uh, the German war machine was known for at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Within yeah. organizing all these people and all these departments and the egos of the individuals that run them to kill millions of people. And you're like, this is fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you reach that level mentally? And then how do you just keep maintaining that level of mentality every day as you see what the end result is going to be of the things you're choosing to participate in is kind of incredible and not in a good way. Do you know what I'm no. saying? So we're, we can be a terrible, terrible species and we can talk ourselves into almost anything and dehumanize an entire people simply because of their birth or their uh, religion or their race or their gender. It's insane when you see it happen. And when you get a collective of people who feel that way, it's even more insane yeah. uh, when you see it happening. So, yeah. yeah, those in power of a nation state that is one of the gr- world's great military powers at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because people just didn't want to confront the problem long before it became a genuinely serious problem. Yeah. Then yeah. they were allowed to run roughshod over their own country and other countries. Right. Uh, I know like Brana flying in as late to the party, but he knows it doesn't start without him and yeah. he's swaggering just asshole. You know, he, that guy was living his dream of a life where he's this military officer, famous can get whatever he wants. Yeah. Has access to all the best, this, that's and the others, mm-hmm. the deference of everybody not named Hitler and Gehring and a few others. Yeah. Um, I mean, just if you just want to watch, really interesting English actors play mm-hmm. Nazis outside of Stanley Tucci. I think everybody yeah. else in this is an English actor. Yeah. Um, but it's just pitch perfect to, to fit in all these different types of uh, individuals with various motivations. And the acting is so good that you can follow along. And I think it's only probably somewhere between 90 to 115 max minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Bill Nagy in this? I think Bill Nagy's in this one, isn't he? Is he? I, I wonder if he is. The butler guy from Downton Abbey. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. The valet. He's in it. The one that got, uh, yeah. he was his lieutenant in war. He's definitely okay. in it. The uh, heavier set English guy. He was in Ace Ventura 2. He was in. Uh, oh, yeah. Richard Griffiths. There you go. Yeah, Richard okay. Griffiths is in this. He plays like a department that he, he almost honestly oh. acts like he's he feels lucky to be there. Right. That's how gross it is. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston's in this. Holy shit. Tom Hiddleston. Really? Yeah. Brian and Tucci, I said. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Colin Firth is in this? Okay. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he played like a lawyer or something before the war. Right. And they start beating him up like just like a lawyer trying to assess this. Oh, yeah. No, Nike's not in this. You're right. Yeah. Ian McNeese is the heavyset guy you're talking about. And uh, Brendan Coyle is the uh, Mr. Bates. Nike was in Valkyrie. You could That's that. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, I get those confused. Valkyrie and conspiracy, right? Although both are two different intentions, but I yeah. get them confused because they have to do with Hitler and they have an English cast. So I get kind of confused by that. Yeah, and it's behind the scenes. It's not the front lines. Right, 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 right. It's palace, more palace intrigue. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. yeah, so it's a cheat, and that's why it's my 10. 
That's a, I totally respect that, man. I'm not going to fault you on that. It's a good movie. I remember being like one of these films everybody talked about. So absolutely. Um, all right. Okay. So my nine. Yeah. What's your nine? Is Memento. Uh, that's my eight. So yeah. Cool. If we just, uh, talk, we just talked about it on the Chris yeah. Nolan stuff, but certainly we did good. Chris Nolan. Um, yeah. It still holds up. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't know in the context of all these other movies, how often I'm going to go back to rewatch Memento. Cause once you know the hook, Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to spend some time apart from it to get reinvested in personally. At least I did. I'm glad yeah. that it had been whatever, 19 years since I had last seen it. Yeah. Kind of crazy oh. to think about 19 years, man. Jesus. I know. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Nope. 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 Um, uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, uh, what can you say without giving it away? Um, Great performances from Guy Pierce, yes, and uh, uh, Pantoliano yeah. and uh, Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, uh, yeah. The three uh, biggies in this. It's a nice. It's a smart twist. Uh-huh. Um, maybe you'll figure it out before the end of the movie, but it doesn't take away from your joy of the movie. I think, in my opinion. Um, and when it does happen, if you haven't figured it out, it kind of adds to what you've already been enjoying. Right, I, I liken it to Sixth Sense. If you didn't figure out the ending of Sixth Sense until it happened, yeah, you know, it made the film even better than what you had already felt the film was. And technically, you could go the Inception route if you really wanted to. Yeah, sure. You could read into it and being like, I don't for certain know exactly what has happened. Yeah, yeah. You've been handed this bill of goods, and if you accept the construct with which you, that you've been handed. Then you can easily, fall, yeah. uh, you know, okay, this is a person, now a protagonist and believe blah, blah, blah. this new piece of information that comes out, right? Or do you dismiss it along with some other things this character has done yeah. and said? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not with a hundred percent certainty, right? right. Um, which is a Nolan kind of staple. Yeah, he loves that messing with time and messing with uh, reality. Yeah, big fan uh, of perception of what is and what is not. Yeah. What about Guy Pierce, though, man? I mean, like, you thought he was going to be big, but he didn't get, like, quite there. And we looked at his – I think we were talking about his resume, and it's like it doesn't quite reach that level. He occasionally pops up and stuff, and he's he cool. Shots. He's good. But, yeah, but he didn't quite – and he's still and, – and he's one of the ones I can't figure out. Like, I know why Josh Lucas didn't make I know why Eric Bana didn't become those big leads. I know why those guys didn't become leads. But okay. Guy Pierce is one that I can't figure out because he is damn good. He's mysterious when he plays the roles. Um, he's got a strong face. He's got an interesting look, and he's got the talent. So I never felt like he was like Josh Lucas or Bana, who didn't quite have that it. I yep. felt he had that it, especially when you watch him in LA Confidential. And so I thought for sure he was going to go off and do a bunch of things and be super successful, be an incredible leading man, but Maybe he I just doesn't have that sexiness that they were looking for. I don't know. I think he really just needed a standalone, one or two standalones that did well enough at the yeah. box office, and then we'd still have him around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he still pops up, but he doesn't pop yeah. up as a lead, you know? No, he's, you know, Iron Man 3, he's the villain. Right, right. Something Spoiler. Like that. Mm-hmm. Prometheus, yeah. he's in makeup for some fucking reason. <laughs> right. He's great in it, but A, the makeup's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad, but given the rest of the production budget, the makeup is jarring. Yeah. But he's, you didn't need him. He's damn good in that Western. 
pro- the Nick proposition Kelly? at Australia Western. Yeah, the, yeah, the proposition. Oh, so good in that. Um, but yeah. So just weird. He did that weird. He was in space Animal Kingdom. Film. Yeah, Animal Kingdom. But he had that weird space adventure film where he's trying to save the president's niece from a, a prison in space what? Called, called Lockout. Uh, Maggie Grace oh. plays the president's niece. Yeah. Wow, I haven't fucking thought about that movie <laughs> since it came out. Because that was post-Taken where she was getting the bump. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, post-Taken, post-Lost. So yep. people thought she was getting the bump. You're right, yeah. Well, after Taken was a surprising success, it's like maybe she was part of that formula. Yeah. And we all collectively went, no, it was lame. <laughs> it was nothing against her. Right. But I went right. to the movie for Liam Neeson. Yeah, exactly. Um, Although I do like Maggie Grace. Yeah, she's, yeah. But she's nothing against her. Uh, right. It's just that wasn't the draw for that movie. So Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. So my next movie is another okay. one that we've gotten to as of late. Okay, okay. Which is uh, Harry Potter's Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, yeah. Knock yourself out. That's not my top well, I put it. I put it on the list because if that thing is not a success, then we don't have... Everything else that follows and is perfectly enjoyable. Fair. Yeah. Uh, and now I, I have seen it quite a few times. Uh, yeah. I would say minimum at this point, four, maybe five times. Which oh, for a wow. movie that is straight a kid's movie is yeah. pretty. Now, one of those was on DVD after it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. Right. Uh, and then saw it again years later and then rewatched it. You know, we just decided to rewatch all the Harry Potters because once again, there's nothing on fucking nothing to do right and then the other two were like with younger family members type of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's not like i sought it out but i've seen it and it's still tons of magic they set yeah. up a gorgeous world it's fully fleshed out chris yeah. columbus did an excellent job of translating something that probably should have failed yeah uh into a movie that still resonates and created a multi-billion dollar cinematic franchise yeah spun off into theme parks and clothing sales. And, you know, it's just had another, it had a life, a greater life because of all these movies. And it was from this first one. So I was like, it's hard for me to deny Harry Potter. Uh, And the fact that I've seen it more times than Memento is why it rated higher than Memento. (laughs) Okay. And I cheated for conspiracy. So fair point. uh, Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think I can absolutely uh, get behind what you're saying. I mean, I totally understand that it being the, the foundation from which we got all this stuff. It's Lord knows gave me a job for a couple of years, so I can't mm-hmm. fault it for that. Uh, but it was uh pretty, it's, it's just not a film that I go back to and watch that often. Cause it's, it's very much a kid's film. So it's not something I gravitate to necessarily, but that doesn't mean it doesn't, it's right there on my honorable mentions. It doesn't mean it's not one of those ones that you will talk about when you talk about 2001 and the beginning of uh, a, a, a franchise like that, you know, and so uh, what it ends up becoming, but it's a very sweet film. I just think, like I said, when you get to that third film is when it really kicks into gear. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's a, at times a little bit too cute for my taste, the first film. So okay. um, I wait till the third one, the third one's when I really kick into the franchise and enjoy. So, yeah, but I, if I never see the first and second one, um, I, in my mind, I wouldn't be missing too much. So. Yeah, I'm not going to seek them out on my own, but I'm more yeah. than likely going to see them again with some young niece or nephew or something along those lines. Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, so inevitably, it's going to be part of my life. But yeah, that's my number eight. I mean, what do you say about Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone? Right. <laughs> we didn't say three weeks ago. 
Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, all right. So um, are we up to my 10? Yep. Okay. So my 10 is Amelie. Okay. Uh, the French film. The It came out in the States and was nominated for Best Foreign Language. I think it might have won, too. But Amelie is one of my just, you know, absolutely gorgeous film uh, in terms of the colors that are being used by the director here, the greens and the reds and the oranges and the yellows, the really vibrant film uh, telling the story of this young girl, uh, you know, like figuring out uh, falling in love in Paris and what all of that entails and the interesting characters that are in her world and navigate her world. Just one of these very well done foreign films that kind of, um, just kind of loses you in the world. And the main uh, actress, Audrey Tutu, she, I, I just developed a big crush on her, a very sweet okay. actress. Uh, she, I think she played Coco Chanel in her biography or biopic film that they did on that. Uh, and she showed up occasionally in, in random films and what have you. But just something about the magic of this film, the score, the sweetness, the quaintness, the kind mm-hmm. of interesting aspect of it all that has always stayed with me. And it's one I come back to often. Uh, for not only for the uh, acting or the uh, scenes or the overall feel, feel of the film, but also the cinematography uh, and the set design and the costumes and everything that goes on and okay. the acting, the acting that uh, that is uh, throughout this movie. I just thoroughly enjoy. Um, I was going to bring up the cast. I should have had the IMDb up already because I don't have all the cast uh, in front of me. I think Lena Olin is is one of the actresses in the film. If I'm, am I off on that? Yeah, I probably am off on that. Oh, I, well. yeah. I couldn't help it. I never saw it. I remember the cover of the DVD mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it got handed to me it, like with a friend that gave me 25 DVDs at once type of thing, which is different oh, swap type of deal. Right, I've, right. I've seen all mine. You've seen all yours. And uh, yeah. I remember I never, I never got to it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a very sweet film, man. I mean, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet directed, I think he's the one that did Alien. No, he did. Oh, sorry. He did a very long engagement. Which was another okay. Audrey Tautou one. Oh, he did do. He did do Alien Resurrection. And he did The City of Lost Children. That's the same director. So if you have seen those French films and you haven't seen Amelie, you've got to give this a chance. Because City of Lost Children is incredible. And Delicatessen. He also did Delicatessen, which I think was was what announced him. Uh, and then, of course, Very Long Engagement, which is an awesome World War I film that uh, I enjoyed as well. But yeah, those are that's my number 10. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. All yeah, right. I can't help you, unfortunately. <laughs> no worries. All right, my number nine is uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh shit! I must have missed over that when I was going through. I didn't even see that. Really, that was two thousand one. Yeah, take a look. I mean, uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I've got uh, I've got other ones I can put in there, but I mean, yeah, I, I go to I feel like it is. I feel like it was from what I was looking. No, you're right. Two thousand one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Does that change anything for you? I mean, I would bump off conspiracy. Okay. I think it would be near the bottom, but somewhere right. in that. But I'll, I'll keep my list as is. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Black Hawk Down, Ridley Scott. Fantastic work. So many great actors in this thing. And what a brutal exploration of what um, a war film can show you about these engagements, not these wars, Bullshit. these engagements, right? Yeah. I mean, the Mogadishu thing is supposed, was supposed to have just been an engagement, not a war, but what yeah. they put our uh, soldiers through mm-hmm. because of those stupid restrictions that, you know, you can't fire unless can't fire unless being fired upon, which of course, by that point you're at a disadvantage. Um, it was horrible to watch, but uh, I think Ridley directed something that people have to watch to understand 
what it actually is like if they're never going to enter into a theater of war or be involved in an engagement like this to see the brutality and the desperation and the frustration and the anger and the um, red tape that you, that these soldiers are put through in performing uh, these Uh, missions. Exactly. It's a bullshit task where there is a police force not engaging in a war when we're engaging in a fucking war. So you can't fire upon until you are fired upon Yeah, and you can't take any kind of unilateral action, even though you can see it developing long beforehand. Yeah. So you end up in these situations that they got themselves into where now they're pinned behind enemy lines. And it's this weird, you don't know exactly what actions are technically allowable and not in any given moment. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I had a friend that was stationed in Djibouti because they were, uh, hunting Somali pirates. He was a Marine. Wow. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it's not far from where Black Hawk Down happened. Still have yeah. the military presence out there and just kind yeah. of we're the world's police. So unfortunately, our soldiers get put into situations that are beyond the scope of gray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and th- then they have to deal with the, the nuts and bolts of this just mishmash of policy. They're the ones who are being put through this thing. Yeah, the impossible situation. Adapt. Yeah, yeah. Where the the rules of engagement are not clear. Right. So then, what are we doing here? Right. Exactly. And it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible list of actors, man. Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, Eric. Speaking of Eric Bana, William Fickner, Ewan Bremer from Train Spotting, mm-hmm. Sam Shepard's in this thing. Kim Coates, Hugh Dancy, Ian Gruffod, who would become Mister Fantastic and yep. the Fantastic. Four movies, so many interesting and w- accomplished actors from multiple. Jason Isaacs is in this. Uh, uh, you and McGregor's in it, isn't he? Yeah, Jeremy Piven, um, uh, Brian, Brian Nicholas Coster Waldo. Yeah, yeah, fucking Jamie Lannister is in this shit as a child. Tom Hardy's. I'm not as a child, but as a young man, Tom Hardy's in this as a young yeah. dude as well. Tiny part. Yeah, very tiny part. Orlando Bloom is in this. So, yeah. in Ty Burrell. That's right. Modern Family Ty Burrell is in this movie. So, so many actors in this film. Um, and as you can tell, it's all dudes. Um, I don't think there are any women in this movie, to be honest with you, unless we see them in uh, as extras. The backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. I know that they storm into a house at one point because they're going between those alleyways. Right. And the right. guys have machine guns and whatnot and RPGs on the back of pickup trucks. Right. And they end up in a house. But no, there are no female speaking, real speaking parts in this. Yeah, yeah. That I can recall, but I'm yeah. racking my brain. I it's all dudes. It's all but it's sauce fest. Yeah, but it's a it's one of the best. I mean, honestly, people talk about these war films, and this one sometimes gets lost in the mix when they talk about war because they want to focus on the bigger aspect yeah. films, you know. But this one really shows you the crap that a soldier will have to deal with sometimes in a situation like this because being the world's police doesn't mean we can boss situations around we have to sometimes kind of respect the situ- respect what's been laid out uh as a uh, rules of engage as the rules of engagement and if we violate them you know we could be in in trouble yeah. or, or now we're getting the sucked into the war yeah exactly technically right, right which right. is what we don't want yeah but yeah it's afford- a f- yeah oh well, we could afford it technically <laughs> all right fair it but is it worthwhile is it something we should be fighting for uh, and it's not even the matter of money. Can, we can afford it. We have the the soldiers, and yeah. we want to ask them to put themselves in harm's way for this. What is this right. doing to protect 
the freedom of Americans and whatnot. Everything yeah. that they, they sign up for. Yeah, I don't know. It's a yeah. fucked up thing. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. Then my number eight was a memento. So we're up to your seven. But uh, My seven. I was surprised this is where it landed. But it's where it landed. The Royal Tenenbaums. That's a punt. Okay. Okay. I was surprised uh, myself, man. <laughs> no worries. What's your All six? Right. My six is Spirited Away. Oh, great choice, bro. Damn it. I forgot that was on. I, I, I'm not going to change it on my list, but damn, that's okay. a great choice. Go ahead, bud. Um, you know, it's top two, three, probably number one of Studio mm-hmm. Ghibli's. And I think it has the best balance of, because, you know, you're following this little girl, so the real world of her, and you're seeing yeah. the world through her eyes and dealing with the spirit world. Um, and a bathhouse run by a witch and... What's interesting about it is, you know, I read this a few years ago yeah. where they went into it without a script and they just started animating. Really? Yeah. Oh. So they let the story develop and unfold. Right. And man, I mean, it makes me like it and appreciate it that much more. Sure. Because by and large, all of the characters are uh, unique and original and uh, refreshingly uh, fun to watch and engage in. You identify with the girl. Uh, Sen is her fake name. Okay. The one the witch ascribes to her. Yeah. You know, when she, she signs the contract and then she takes her real name. And if she ever forgets her real name, then she'll be sucked there forever type of thing. Right. Um, I know it's like a chi something or other is a real name. Couldn't tell you that beyond that. But okay. um, starts off as kind of like this and somewhat a little bit annoying, but it's very endearing as she find yourself in a world that didn't she didn't even know existed this crazy right. spirit world type of thing uh plus a little maybe potential fun fact because like when they open up the movie when they're walking through they discover the land the dad says something along the lines of oh yeah this must be left over from the early 90s when there was a ton of new theme parks opening across <laughs> japan and they all went bankrupt roughly around the same time it's like wow. Wow, that's super cool is that true like i know <laughs> i don't know i've never looked into it beyond it stuck with me since the first time i i I uh, saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it makes sense. But like, how many of them? Yeah, because right. it's a small island nation. So, how much land out there is devoted to these defunct, uh, you know, amusement parks? Like two, three, four? I, I don't know. I mean, Tokyo, here, but- Tokyo Disney was on the ropes when it first opened. It took a while for it to finally kind of get yeah, some but, traction. But yeah, I think Tokyo the. Or not Tokyo, but the the Disney in Paris is the only one, or the Disney in France is the only yeah. one now that's any kind of tenuous, and it's not tenuous, but yeah, it's yeah. Paris Disneyland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokyo yeah. and Shanghai, I believe that's where the other one is. Yeah, are both doing gangbusters, right? Uh, and they opened up much earlier than everybody else. Smartly so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Spirited Away has. A magic that it's hard to, you know, capture with other animated films. Mm-hmm. And it may be, perhaps it is from the almost, I don't want to say improvisational, but the more organic nature of the story unfolding. Yeah. Because uh, perhaps he had overall beats in his head of, okay, this is where I think I'd like it to land, but how it gets there, I don't know. Yeah. Uh but yeah, just, you know, Studio Ghibli always brings these fantastical ideas to life. And this one, I think, is a little bit more palatable and interesting than something like Howl's Moving Castle um, right. and some of the others, which are fun, but 
like weird almost for the sake of being weird at times to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one, it's for some yeah. reason, the spirit world seems all very thought out and yeah. genuine. Yeah. Ironically, even though it was starting off from a place yeah. of not having it mapped out as a, as strongly initially. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Like so yeah, you've never seen it. Ones, yeah. I thoroughly recommend it. I would start yeah. there with Studio Ghibli. Cool. Um, all right, that's your number six, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So then my number seven is uh, Shrek. Yeah, I don't watch it anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Couldn't tell you, you know, that much about it. Like, I remember the broad strokes of it, but I haven't yeah. seen it in so long. I couldn't honestly put it on my list. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is one of my favorites. I still love it. I love what okay. Mike Myers does here. I love what Eddie Murphy does and Cameron Diaz is great. The story is funny. Um, the gingerbread man, the characters that are in the story are funny. The, you know, the, the big bad wolf, uh, the sheep, uh, the pigs with that German accent. Um, who else is there? Who else is there? Oh yeah. Farquaad, Lord Farquaad. Yeah. I'm mean, happy John Lithgow do the stuff that he does. Just really funny stuff for me overall. So I enjoy that movie a lot. Uh, and it's got a good, uh, message, you know, about not judging a book by its cover. And also mm-hmm. the idea of like, you know, when you've been, cracked down by the world for so long you know you, you have a hard time believing in, in people like believing in you so you just kind of have a you know have to work that out and what happens with her and everything and then you find out the twist with her so for me it still works and the soundtrack's still good um the soundtracks in all those films have always been good the songs that you hear on them and just okay. the inventiveness of the characters too like the evil characters and what have you and how the twists and turns of all of that so it's still one i come back to it's a franchise actually quietly one of my favorite animated franchises i've never seen a bad one i've never seen a bad shrek film i've always enjoyed them and for whatever well, they, they present you know they did a puss and boots standalone didn't they? i even like the piss and puss and boots standalone i i, I like that him and uh, Salma Hayek doing their okay. thing, Banderas and Hayek. So yeah, I never saw that. Galifianakis, I think, plays the uh, the evil Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you should watch it sometime. I know you like animated stuff, so maybe I will. Uh, yeah. For some reason, Shrek of all like the franchise ones has probably got its hooks in me the least. I oh, liked wow. it. I I saw, you know, when it came out, and I saw the yeah. next the follow ups. I don't know if I saw them in the theater, but I eventually saw them and I enjoyed them. I yeah, don't, yeah. Don't ever go back to see it. Yeah. So when I was going through, I wrote down Shrek and I was like, I know that's not going to make my list. Nothing <laughs> against it. I just don't watch it. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah just, I love that it turns the fairy tale story on its head. It's, sure. it, it still works for me. It still works for me. So, um, all right. Uh, then my number six. And then look, and you just had that with uh, what was the film you said that was surprised you that it was this low? Oh, Royal Tenenbaums. This is my surprise. A beautiful mind. I can't believe I put it this low, but that's where it's at. All right. That's a, that's a punt. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, uh, all right. All right. So my five. Yeah. Trading one piece now is oceans 11. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. See yeah. the top five to me. I think if I did this in six months, it'd be the same five movies in a different order. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely fair. Dude. I don't, I, I, I don't have a number one for this year. Genuinely. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, Cause I like all of like this, Top five is like kind of whatever mood I yeah. feel like. So today yeah. was this, but I in three months I think I would have a completely different top five as far as order amongst the movies. It's certainly possible. Uh, uh, right, what do you got? Uh, Monster Zinc is my number five. Okay, that's a slight punt. Okay, what's your four? My four is Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, it's not on my list. Go okay, ahead. it's my least of the three, but I still thoroughly enjoy it. Cue Kristen Smith flipping out right now, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, if it were Two Towers or Return of oh, the King, it'd have a shot at number one for this I, year. 
I think two hours would would have been on my list over the fellowship for sure. Uh, two towers might have made my number one for two thousand one, probably wow, actually. Wow, wow, okay. Uh, whereas Lord of the Rings, man, when I walked out of that, couldn't believe they managed to turn that into so much magic across screen, and then knowing shit, they shot all these at the same time, so they're just putting the final details and touches, last minute touches on the CGI. We're gonna have another one a year and another year after that. Yeah. Really smart to do it because when they announced it, I didn't know who Pete Jackson was. Right, right. I had, right. I had not seen his previous work. I had heard of what is it, the Frighteners? The Frighteners, yeah. I had heard of it, but I'd never seen it. Right. And then the the puppet one, uh, I still oh, don't yeah. get. I've seen it. I don't right. understand why people think it's a masterpiece. Okay. Um, I maybe in the next time I see it, it'll finally it's, click. It's puppet one. Don't you don't remember this like crass puppets bad taste uh, is that what it is bad or meet the feebles oh bad taste that's the puppet one yeah yeah it's weird it's fucking super weird yeah and to think just a couple movies later that dude is making lord of the rings right good point yeah because this is like what do you call this this is almost like a uh, army of darkness that kind of evil dead type vibe yeah but it's like much cruder mm-hmm. um and much more like of a raw edge to it. Okay. Where it feels kind of auteurish in that they made uh, it on a shoestring budget type of thing. Right, right. Uh, yeah, when it was announced, new line of all companies. Uh-huh. It's not like it's oh. Universal or Paramount or somebody else that normally foots the bill for a movie this size. Right, right. New line signs on to a guy right. that I've never heard of to make the Lord of the Rings a, a, <laughs> a series of books that I think is impossible to film. Yeah. And they're going to shoot them all at the same time. And I thought that was going to be a recipe for disaster. And then walking out of the first one, it's like, I can't believe how much I thoroughly enjoyed it. Cause I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons. I yeah. have no, you know, uh, dragons and sword fights and all that jazz. Like it pop up every once again in the, the looming specter of something like that being interesting, always yeah. in, in, you know, enraptured me it would capture yeah. my, my imagination every time like they announce like oh this could be and then you see it and you're like hey, it is fine or it wasn't good <laughs> but i'd still be willing to go see it and they yeah. finally pulled off something that it's got fucking you know magic and practically immortal elves and dwarves and yeah. everything else fell in love with that that group immediately and yeah. uh kudos to them man i still i'll, I'll watch that right now if it's on yeah, I, I mean, there's some great scenes in that movie. Absolutely, I mean, the scene where he's where they're uh, running through the, um, you know, uh, the underworld or wherever they're running through all the all those steps and everything like that, and the, through the mountain, I guess. Yeah, and, and then the uh, Balrog. He, he fights the Balrog. That scene where he fights the Balrog, and he says, "Fly, you fools!" And then mm-hmm. he gets yanked off, and fucking Elijah Wood loses his mind. That is an awesome scene, dude. Um, and what you see later on with them when they're when they're you know having the battles and the fights with the orcs that's pretty kick ass. So there's a number of good scenes within the movie. It's just overall, it's not one yeah. I'm going to put on ever because I just get so bored by how much running across the plains there is, running across the mountains there is. It just kind of drives me nuts. And some of the I'm not gonna lie, some of the no matter much how much Rachel Cushing explained it to me, some of the Hobbit stuff still gets on my nerves and isn't for me. So, but but. Oh, you have to spend time with all those people to understand why you're about to spend another six hours. Of course, the foundation has to be laid. It's yeah. The origin film. Yeah. So that's where 
Whereas like with something in Deathly Hallows part one, I don't feel we need to spend the hour to hour and 15 minutes or hour and 20 minutes hanging out in tents with them out in the middle of oh, yeah. nowhere. Cause you're we like, we already, all, we already know who these people are. Yeah. yeah. We already know the dynamic and it feels false that, uh, that these Horcruxes are corrupting both Harry and, uh, uh, Ron so that right. they're Bronte's jealousy where none exists and right. Harry coveting, uh, Hermione. And that's just not the case. It's like, okay, but do we really need to spend this much time? Whereas fellowship, I think it's deserved in that. Yeah. It's the build. It's the preamble to, the gates opening up and we get to the the meat of the story yeah exactly but yeah, um, of the three it's number three right right uh, well, uh we should correct ourselves meet the feebles is the puppet one i'm sorry i apologize okay. to anybody who's been yelling at us on their on their i couldn't uh, remember the name devices. between the two both both work yeah bad taste is the first one that was kind of like his calling card then meet the feebles then there was something called Dead Alive, which I never saw. But I heard about Heavenly Creatures because that was that mid-90s time where, like, all these directors are having these independent films being bought up by, you know, Weinstein and other people uh-huh. uh, or Miramax and other people. And they were screening them. And I remember Heavenly Creatures being the one, Kate Winslet being in it. Um, and then The Frighteners. And I remember The Frighteners I went to see because Michael J. Fox was in it. And I was yeah. like, oh, Michael J. Fox in the lead of a film. Um, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. So when he got announced for Lord of the Rings, I was like, okay, let's see what he does with this. This is a huge toolbox that he's now being handed. Um, and you can't argue that he succeeded because so many people oh. love this trilogy. So many people love this trilogy. I mean, the amount of detail. Yeah. Uh, I've watched, you know, I had a buddy that bought the extended edition, like the, the oh, three God, disc yeah. set type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all the behind the scenes. And I've, I watched quite a few of those when I borrowed from him. And all the just ludicrous amount of detail, like the costume department putting uh, embossing on the inside of vests that no oh. one's ever going to see. Well, just to make the actors feel yes. that they're in that world. Because it makes it more real. Our, for them. You know what? We're doing all three of these at the same time Yeah. type of we need to sell. And you're like, yeah, you. it really comes across that yeah. stupid detail that we're never going to see. Um, so it's stuff like that. We're like, man, good for good for. Peter Jackson and everybody involved in this new line for taking the chance. Yeah. And certainly succeeding at it. Certainly succeeding at it. So, uh, all right. What number was that for you? Four. That's my four. Okay. My four is uh, training day. Not on my list. There's what, the what, yeah. what, what? I don't care if I ever see it again. Wow. Really? No, dude, that shocks the shit out of me, dude. I love that movie. Wow. Okay. It's fine. Well, well, all right. Well, Denzel Washington leading this, uh, winning the Oscar for this one. And, of course, I should have won it for Malcolm X. But uh, um, this is just, to me, this is a fantastic film. Fuqua, Fuqua is very much hit or miss, very much hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, and he got everything right, in my opinion, in this movie. And Ethan Hawke being a part of this uh, in the way he is is pretty surprising because, I mean, Ethan, as people remember, Ethan was big deal in the 90s, but it was pretty much a forgotten leading man going mm-hmm. into the 2000s. So having him be having him right along with um, Denzel was a great kind of white black combination, young white guy learning from the black op and then the black op is corrupt and all the different people that are involved in the corruption here in LA. And, you know, it's tough to watch that movie now and not feel like, yeah, that feels kind of right. You know, it doesn't yeah. feel like it's a fake thing that they're doing necessarily, but then the cliff Curtis stuff, the way it all kind of lines up, I thought was pretty funny and cool and interesting and just the acting throughout. And then the, the progression of his, 
loss of power because that's what this is the whole movie is basically this guy losing his power in one day losing everything he's ever built up in one day because everything everything he has got markers on finally comes to collect and he doesn't have the ability to outmaneuver everybody uh, at the same time and by the time it's all found out uh because he's so corrupt because he's so uh not willing to bend the knee and kiss that ass he is uh He's essentially summarily executed by the end of the movie. So, uh, but such a damn good movie, man. I really enjoyed it and asks a lot of you when you're watching it, like, oh, shit, what would you do in this situation? Would you keep going? You know, because it's not just yeah. him being corrupt. It's like, what, what are you being asked to do by senior members of your job that might be morally incorrect for you to do, but you really need to keep your job? You know, those kinds of things. It's irrelevant. Cops or police. It's irrelevant. It's what it's the, the situation is relatable. I wish I wish it had that effect on me. It, did, it didn't in the theater. Yeah, I was fine with him winning for it, but I thought in no way was that his best Oscar caliber yeah. okay. Okay. type. Of, but it's a year where there's no better choice. He should have already won one. <laughs> right. I'm, right. I'm very happy for him because uh, he's awesome. And yeah. You know, I just rewatched the opening hour, 45 minutes of Flight the other day because I yeah. fucking love his performance in it. The movie's okay, yeah. but his Denzel, yeah, his performance plays yeah. alcoholic, uh, you know, pilot. Um, even when the movie's just whatever, Denzel's always excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just don't, I never rewatch that. It never come wow. If it's on competing with damn near any other movie, um, I think I would rather watch the other movie. <laughs> I sound like I hate it. It just does nothing for me. Right, right. I the whole like that. the King Kong ain't got shit on me felt played out in the trailer. Wow. Yeah, right. I know, hell, man. I'm alone. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good Denzel. I just felt I, like I don't know that character. I feel like I've seen that story. I feel like I've seen. Not in that order and not all taking place that quickly where his demise is a 24-hour period. Shit, it's not even. It's like a 16-hour period. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the Ethan Hawke just happened to save the one girl who then happens to be the younger sister of the dude who's going to kill him later. And then he happens to grow a conscience in this moment for this very reason. Uh, You know, why did he keep her ID from way back? And just like there's a lot of happenstance. (laughs) <laughs> in a movie that I'm not 100% on board with anyway. There you go. So we can accept happenstance in a movie we like. But if we don't like a movie, yeah, true. Gets in true. Way. I get but that. It's also that one is supposed to be as real as life is right to be. Yeah. It's supposed yeah. to be just a mirror reflecting back on day to day life here. And just like, well, that's a lot of fucking coincidence. <laughs> saying that doesn't happen, it does. Right. right. Um, um, yeah, so the other people. Or go ahead. Sorry, sorry, go ahead, man. Sorry. I was going to say, someone pointed this out a long time ago, where like in a game or something, and it's like, you couldn't script that and be like, you easily could. None of this is so outlandish that you couldn't fucking script. It doesn't happen in sports. I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but bullshit. We've watched enough sports movies where we've seen something oh, yeah. like this happen and something even crazier. <laughs> you couldn't script that, Bob. Really? Because that feels like a movie I just saw last night. And you uh, could. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, the other Space actors. Jam actually happened. Yes, we and we didn't have the movie Space Jam. And we'd be like, you couldn't script that because who would? 
how would you ever pitch that movie? What right. kind of ideas is this? You got to play aliens and basketball. Yes, that you couldn't script. <laughs> the other actors were um, Russell Crowe for A Beautiful Mind, Sean Penn for I Am Sam, Never Go Full Rita, uh, Will Smith in Ali, Tom Wilkinson in The Bedroom. Those were the choices. Yeah. Maybe Will for Ali, but nah. Nah. If it's Denzel in, in Training Day versus this, give it to Denzel because it's not yeah. like his performance was so amazing. Yeah. That's the question you have to ask yourself. It would be an interesting thing to analyze. Was it a lack of choices or was this the legitimately yeah, best performance of the year and his best performance as an act? So, you know, that's that could be an interesting series to do. Um, yeah, because I mean, there's a crap ton of films that came out in 2001, but I don't know if there's any that I would necessarily for the actor to be nominated for best actor over Denzel. So it's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it. Now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, where so we leave off? Four? That was my four. What's your three? My three is the punt from you earlier, which is Monsters Incorporated. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, man. Seen it a bunch of times. I know okay. I'm going to see it a bunch more. It still has all the same uh, magic, by and large, that it did the first time that I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, knowing the twists and turns does depreciate from the very first time that you saw it. That's a given. But right. the world that they create, the chemistry between that's why you and I both saw Monsters University in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Um, just and for like- the chemistry that those two actors brought to the part and the way they were animated and the story that was sold. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the little girl with Boo and this... The idea that someone at Pixar was just like, oh, monsters under my bed. Why would there be monsters in my bed or in the closet? Mm-hmm. And then build out this entire, like, they have regular lives just like us. And yeah. they're only doing that to get energy type of thing. It's a fun and inventive story. Um, for, I said, like, Pixar does that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, inside out, the internal process of moving and yeah. how a child deals with that. That's that's the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh Great. I can't believe no one ever thought of this before type right. of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say about Monsters Incorporated that we haven't or anybody else hasn't said. Well, one of the most incredible things to think about is Pixar coming out of the gate. You compare compare Pixar to just about any studio or any actor or any director and you go, oh, that you know that first movie that was really good. But you can tell they've really matured as an actor, matured as a director. The way Pixar came out the gate with Toy Story, Monsters Inc., uh, Nemo, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, Bugs Life—it's incredible how mature and confident and quality-driven these first four releases of Pixar are. And that you could go back to Monsters, Inc. and go, oh, boy, I'd love to see them do it in 2020. You actually can't do that because Monsters, Inc. is so fucking good already Mm -hmm. right off the bat. And it still holds up nowadays. It's still – you can watch in 20 – you show a child for the first time in 2020 that film, and they will fall in love with that movie. It doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel out of sorts. It doesn't feel like it's, it's, it's of its time. It's very much a relatable universal situation and written really well with interesting characters, funny moments, and incredibly sweet moments. And that is what's so fascinating when you think about Pixar. And Monsters, Inc. obviously is part of that. 
because yep. all those films, all four of those films, you know, and then we get into varying degrees of how you feel about it, but all four of those films are just bam, right off the bat. And you're just like blown away by what's possible uh, because it's so rare to see a studio, an actor, a director, a production company come out mm-hmm. like this. And so I think that's one of the things that speaks volumes about Monsters, Inc. It is one of the most confident animated features you're ever going yeah. to see. And it, it's all done in-house, too. Yeah. They, they write it. They direct it. They cast it. They, I mean, it's everything. Yep. All yeah. from one production company. It's really right. impressive. Right. It's when I was there visiting for Inside Out. That's the thing that blew me away. Is everything is in like you, department by department. They took us all in house, department by department, to show how the process goes mm-hmm. for one scene and for the good dinosaur, which of course is not a good Pixar movie at all. But they showed us how the process goes, and I was just like blown away by how that all stays in one area and how they stay in communication with each other and how they're constantly challenging each other as well. Uh, yeah. With the things they come up with and with the way they uh, twist the story around or the designs or whatever. So you're constantly on your thinking on your feet as a creator at Pixar to step up to the plate, which is not a, an environment that is easy for a lot of people to exist in. It's not uh, toxic or negative. It's just demanding of you creatively. And some people can respond to that. And some people can't. You know, And this movie is fantastic because people could. You know? Um. Yeah. All right, so that was my three. What do you got at three? Uh, sexy Beast. Okay, that's my two. Oh, nice. I didn't know I was going to make a list. I didn't know yeah, I was going to make well, a list. The top three, honestly, the, yeah. that's the genuine. This one could be number one next right. week. I don't know. Sexy I, Beast, it's like it's the grittiest, realist type of movie that you and I and numerous others love. You know, yeah. crime syndicate type of thing. Yeah. And, Ben Kingsley is the devil incarnate. Oh, God, he's so good. Yeah. This tiny little oh. older man, and it's just completely intimidating. This is Gandhi. This is Gandhi. Gandhi. This is like he's- the anti-Gandhi move. But it's not like he bulked up. No. You know what I mean? No. He's this probably in his early mid-50s when this came out. Yeah. He's smaller than everyone else in this movie by physical stature, but right. by sheer domination of will. Uh, he is the most commanding of presence. He's a battering ram of accomplishment, right? He, mm-hmm. he has a goal to achieve, and he will slam his head through a wall, literally, to achieve the goal. Uh, and he makes it seem as if he's asking you as if you have a chance to say no, and you don't. And as that becomes more evident when the film goes on, you're just blown away. By what he can do. Plus, it's Kingsley really lean, leaning into this English side of himself that he doesn't always yeah. uh, kind of allow out when he performs or when he acts. You know, it's it's so fascinating to watch. And the, I mean, and, the, and he's such a uh, was it Don? I forget the last guy's name. Don something, but his his um, Don Logan. I think it's Don Logan. Mm-hmm. His his just energy as a character is so off putting. And you're right, Matt. He's not bulked up. He's not intimidating to you like when you look at his physical body, but it's his energy, right? And he basically paralyzes four people at this place that could, and that could, if they got together, could actually kill this dude or whatever. But because he's connected back to Ian McShane over there in London, they're not like they're hamstrung by what they're able to do with this guy until yeah, the shit blows up. Yeah. Um, but it, 
and and I think also with that is they might have reservations about killing him. It's not as though they wouldn't do it. Right. Whereas I don't think he he's a true narcissist. He only cares about himself. Right. Right. But uh, yet, but yet they throw this undercurrent of him like being pissed off that his ex girlfriend Jackie left him for someone else and left him for this guy. And and like this guy is like this craggly faced old dude. You can tell he doesn't wear the pants in the family at all uh, with this relationship with Jackie and him. And uh, Don Logan shows up and he's just like, boom, 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 boom. Just yeah. berating them and berating her and then has these random moments of vulnerability. And it's ugly vulnerability, you yeah. know, because you can tell that he's he loves her as far as he can conceive of the word love as who he is constructed as a human being. Yeah. But because he wants to possess her. And it's okay if she's not with him. She can't be with anybody else. So it's just like, man, just watching that is just madness. And what would you do with a guy like that? I don't don't even know. (laughs) Because what attracted you someone to you to someone like that in the first place? Right. Why was she with a guy like that in the first? Uh, Perhaps it's just like the sheer confidence. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, good point. It does. You know. But some people gravitate towards like that. Their parents didn't have a healthy relationship, so they mm-hmm. kind of seek out unknowingly the same right. type of unhealthy relationship because uh, that's what they think love, how it demonstrates itself, how it shows yeah. itself. Yeah, I, I was watching. I, I mentioned on one of our other shows. I was watching. Maybe it's a future show, post show, but we did. We recorded today. I mentioned I was watching Criminal UK, and there's a, a scene in the show in one of the episodes where uh, they're dealing with a guy who is being accused of rape, right? And they're kind mm-hmm. of breaking him down to try to find out if he did it or not. Uh, and this conversation happens between two of the female detectives, one, a younger female detective, one, an older female detective. And she says, how, why would you, how does this happen? Like, how do you put yourself in a position? Cause don't, can't you tell, uh, can't you read the signs? And it's a young male detective who's asking the female detective and the older female detective about this. And they both respond to the same thing. It's like, some women are turned on by uh, men who are aggressive, who know what they want. They're confident. Yeah. They're, they're turned on by that. Um, but the thing is, once uh, they click into that place where they think they deserve things, that's where the problem lies. And unfortunately, you don't see that until too late in the relationship or the situation. Uh, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So you, what, what attracts you to them is is okay. their confidence. But their confidence when it's – but if they're one of those people that sees confidence as an extension of the fact that they deserve everything and you should give them whatever they want. That's when the problem starts to happen. And so she says, and that's what guys need to understand. There's the difference for people who are watching from the outside, you know, so you don't yeah. know you're putting yourself in a bad position until that person kind of makes that turn. And you don't know that turn is coming. You can actually can't see that ahead of time. It's like, wow, I thought of it that way, you know, and this is maybe she's right. Maybe she got with him because Dom was like, so like, yeah, that's right. So all this kind of yeah. things and, and people are afraid of him. So like maybe Karen there's a status. Yeah, right. Like Karen, yeah, right. Like with Leota. Yeah, Just, exactly. He's he's got money and he's got confidence and swaggering around and we get the best tables and yeah. uh you know, when he kicked the crap out of that one neighbor that <laughs> sexually assaulted her or abused her or whatever, yeah, like inappropriately yeah. touched her and came on yeah. to her. It's like you know, head knight in shining armor type of thing. And yeah, there's a flip side to that too. There's a mania. Oh yeah. That type of behavior. Dude, I fucking love that scene. I love that scene when he walks over. Oh, dude, the pistol. Boom, boom. And I love that it's just aggressive and it keeps going and going. Just boom. And his friends stand there when Leota looks up and he looks just wild-eyed. <laughs> the rage in his eyes. Such great acting. And the two guys, okay, man. Yeah, just get out of their minds. <laughs> yeah. 
They just saw their friend get the crap beat yeah. out of him. Yeah. And yeah. they're not getting in the middle. Oh, it was beautiful. Because at first they're like, hey, hey. And then they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. On the first, they put their hands out when he comes up to start shit with the guy. Because he just walks right up and just pat, pat. And just, oh. Oh, it's gorgeous. Starts beating his nose in with the <laughs> butt of a fucking pistol. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> I love that scene. Well, that's my um, two. Okay. And that was my three. So then my two is uh, Ocean's Eleven. Okay. The punt from earlier? Yeah, yeah. Punt from earlier. I love this movie, man. It's just one of my favorite movies, bar none. So much, uh, once again, so much confidence and swagger throughout this movie. Soderbergh did a great job casting this film. Clooney and Brad Pitt are just exceptional. Julia Roberts is fun in the movie. Andy Garcia is fun in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And then everyone else around, obviously, the late, great Bernie Mac and uh, Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn and Carl Reiner and, uh, you know, all the people involved in this thing. is uh, You know, Don Cheadle, they're so great to watch throughout how they all come together. And then once they all come together, how they pull this heist off and all the little things that they do throughout the movie that just radiates the coolness that the original from the Rat Pack just absolutely does not and I was really, uh, I just love it, which is why I enjoy 13 yeah. as well. I don't like 12 that much, but those guys as a group, great chemistry, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool guys doing cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Basically it. Yep. Basically it. And it's a film I've watched a million times and will watch a million times more. Yeah. Uh, because you got, you love that feeling when you're watching it. So, yeah. And the nice thing is, you would assume like you'll go to another generation. Like the, the Rat Pack came up and they were kind of, you know, Sinatra was established outside of and whatnot. And Dean Martin yeah. had had, you know, something beforehand, whatnot. But they weren't huge independent stars yeah, outside right. of the Rat Pack, outside of technically Sinatra. Right. Um, who was the alpha in that? Whereas Ocean's Eleven, it's like, dude, you got at his height, Brad Pitt, at yep. his height, George Clooney. Yep. Just coming into, but basically near his height, Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon, uh, right. That's another yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, Don Cheadle on his ascendancy. Yep, yep. And then so many other people across the board and this huge ensemble cast. And in no way does it seem like anybody tried to make it about themselves. It was more yeah. so about let's just have fun and make the best project that we possibly can. Right. And that they all seem to get along. Yeah, legitimately get along. And you never yeah. heard any drama about them or any issues with them. They all got along. Very difficult to do with that many egos dancing around, Matt, for sure. And still persists to this day it seems yep. as though they're all genuinely friends by and large yeah uh and that's just who doesn't love that on the outside looking in and be like oh you know there's a, i'm glad it kind of confirms the reason that i've always had a soft spot for these actors yeah yeah great point yeah yeah even Absolutely. uh what is it scott con yeah because <laughs> you know casey affleck's in it but scott yeah. con who's you know his dad is not known for being the most a uh, warm of individuals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good actor, but uh, yeah. So it's just like, are you a chip off the old block there? And be like, well, you managed to coexist with all these dudes. <laughs> you know, he came out in an interview recently and said that the reason there wasn't an elf sequel is because Favreau and Will Ferrell didn't get along while they were making the movie. Khan said that? Yeah, Khan said that. I don't know if it's true or not. Because Khan said, he said, I thought I was set up. I thought I was in a franchise and I was going to be making money. I could give my kids whatever they wanted and they just didn't come out and do another one. 
uh, because Will Ferrell just didn't have an issue with it. And Will Ferrell apparently was offered $29 million to do a sequel to Elf. And his claim is that he turned it down because he didn't want to ruin the original and take the chance of ruining the original and the the feeling people have around the original. Yeah. So I could see that. But by the same token, I could also see him and Favreau maybe not getting along, which would be which would surprise me. But it's not out of the realm possibility. I've also heard James Conn say that he took the job because he thought Will Ferrell was just going to be so hilarious on set. And uh, he wasn't that funny a guy. (laughs) so he didn't enjoy himself as much as he was hoping for. I've already heard a story from James Conn bitching about this project. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not like he's saying it was apocalypse now and it was hell on earth. Right, right, right. But he's also like, nah, you know, that guy's not that funny. Like, well, I think collectively we all agree that you're wrong. (laughs) He ain't all that. Yeah. Maybe Favreau and Will Ferrell didn't like each other. They never worked together again. They didn't. You're right. They didn't. So maybe, but, I mean, how many times does, you know, it's him and Adam McKay, Farrell and Adam McKay. Yeah. And then the Anchorman guys, they did two together, but it's not like Will Farrell goes back to the well with the same actors over and over and over again. Right. That's a good point. He doesn't. He does not. It's not really in his MO, no. MO to do that. You're right. It would be someone like, uh, was Will Arnett in uh, Blades of Glory and in, um, oh, shit. Which the one? one where he plays for the Flint Tropics. Why am I? Oh, yeah. Uh, semi pro. Semi pro. Yeah. Like maybe Will Arnett is in both of those type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But it's nobody that's a. It's not like he's worked with Woody Harrelson again. Right. It's not like he's worked with Andre 3000 again. Or, yeah. True. Uh, Will works with John C. Riley, though, all the time. That's for sure. True. He does that enjoy is, John C. Uh, but yeah, Ocean's Eleven is awesome. Yeah, that's good. So if you haven't seen it in a while, I would recommend anybody listening or watching us uh, going back into that world and having some fun, especially nowadays, dude, when everyone's so depressed and sad and worried and no one knows what's going to happen. Watch something where cool people are doing cool things, man. It'll just take your mind off. It'll make you feel good about yourself. You just can get lost in that world and be happy. Like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's good stuff. All right. What's your number one, my man? Uh, One is a beautiful mind. Okay. Wow. Really? One. Okay, cool. I'm telling you, we do this in a week. Sexy Beast or Monsters, Inc. might be number one. Yeah, that's fair. I don't have a number one for this year, definitively. Okay. Uh, but it is your number one for today. Is I wrote it down as my number one for today. <laughs> I, I think you're not wrong, man. I think you're absolutely not wrong. That's what's crazy. But it's uh, number one is almost always the easiest position to make on these lists. You're right. Yes. And Nine times out of ten. Yes. I don't Yeah. This is one of the first times I can recall where I'm like, I don't have a number one for this year. After looking at uh, the full list, I mean, I obviously somehow missed Black Hawk Down, but mm. I've got a nice, healthy side list of potentials. Yeah, me too. And even ones I knew I was, you know, uh, not putting on my list like Shrek and Training Day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just uh, beautiful minds. It was part of that uh, Russell Crowe run with Gladiator and. Where just this guy put this guy in because he's going to give you an Oscar caliber uh, performance, and Paul Bettany was great as well. So it was yeah. uh, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, an interesting story about a real individual, a mathematician that kind of, you know, got lost in his own mind for a big chunk of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the you know the pens thing, the coming back around to the pens, still as effective now as yeah. it was the first time that I saw it. Yeah. Uh, and you know he thought he had lost every semblance and shred of who he was and to see that, you know, what he did had an impact. 
Yeah. And it wasn't completely fruitless endeavor and he wasn't just, you know, uh, schizophrenic or whatever the official di- diagnosis yeah, was yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Monsters Inc. next week, maybe number one, maybe it's Sexy yeah. Beast. Perhaps no, Ocean's Eleven jumps up. I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a damn good film, dude. And I I, um, I only ding I ding it for a couple of things. I you know it because it's great performance by Russell Crowe, but it's a story I don't necessarily want to go back and see a lot. So that's why where yeah. it kind of gets dinged for me personally, right? I mean, I'm not sure. bashing anybody who wants it. Certainly, it can warrant being number one on anyone's list. But like for me, it just isn't one I run back to. Of his, I watch Cinderella Man. 100 more times than I'll watch A Beautiful Mind. Just something about okay. that story speaks to me more and that performance speaks to me more. But you can't deny the the chemistry of him and Paul Bettany and this, of course, having done Master and Commander as well. You can't deny the chemistry, but you also can't deny how how um, uh, unsettling of a story this is when the twist starts, when you see the twist start to happen. You're just like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, And it's one of those rare films, Matt, that has a twist in the middle and then goes forward for another hour and some where you're dealing with that twist mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the movie. And Crowley does an excellent job acting in this. A lot of people felt like he should have deserved the Oscar for this over uh, Gladiator. But uh, you could argue both ways, I suppose, But because he's excellent in this film. Um, but, I mean, also I ding it for the fact that the actress, uh, that Jennifer Connelly is white and his wife was Latina. And they didn't cast a Latina actress. So for me, that okay. bothers me a little bit now in retrospect. Uh, and it bothered me at the time, to be honest with you, when I found out about it. So, But now in retrospect, even more so. Uh, but overall, it's a damn good movie. It's a damn good, well-directed mm-hmm. film. Just for whatever reason, it's not one that I'm like, oh, do I really want to go into this and have him go through all the stuff and do the mania and do the craziness and blah, blah, blah. But he does a fucking excellent job in the film bringing that mania to life. Um, and especially when he's like in the shed and he's flipping out and he's got the he's repeating things over again. Like, just such a great job. Because because easily Russell Crowe could be just one of these guys that's like acting like he's doing this thing. But yeah. he's such a goddamn good actor that he just slides into that role so well you you believe it you just believe it and you see the mania and the frustration on his face uh from a guy that you know outside of a role like this is pretty confident about what he's doing in the world and has no problem telling people about it and throwing phones at people so i mean for sure for sure (laughs) so Uh, i enjoy it for that for sure but it's just not one that i run back to and watch multiple so your number one is the point from earlier yeah it is my number one is the royal tenenbaums yeah i've I've really become a, a um, what do you call this? I don't want to say connoisseur because that sounds douchey. I just mean like I'm I'm someone who aficionado. thoroughly. Yeah, aficionado of Wes Anderson. I, I love exploring the worlds he creates within his movies. And I know it's ironic on the on the on what I just said about Jennifer Connelly. I get it because like, with Wes, the big ding about him now is he's like Woody and that he never casts or rarely casts actors of color in his film and what in his films and what have you. But I get that. But I, th- but he gets a pass for me in my book because the worlds he creates feel universal, even though you're watching white people live in his worlds in these situations. Yeah, they feel universal. I was a Cub Scout, so Moonrise Kingdom speaks to me. I was 12 years old and discovering my attraction for girls at that age. Uh, you know, with when, like with Royal Tenenbaums, I had a difficult family life. I had a weird dad. I had a you know a very overpowering dad. I had a a mom who was trying to keep the family together. I have my own issues that of, of mental health stuff that occur throughout the movie. Uh, I've got those weird friends like, like Owen Wilson is in the film and all, and I've had those moments of pressure where I've blown it like Luke Wilson does in the film. So it's like, there's a lot here for me that I relate to overall, but I enjoy the chemistry within and the way he constructs the story mm-hmm. uh, with Royal. And as I was speaking, we were speaking on Pixar earlier, how confident they are from the beginning. 
I think he moves into this position. Royal Tenenbaums is where he becomes an auteur for real. And then every one of his other films are judged by, in, is it a masterpiece? Is it a great film? Or is it a letdown? Uh, whereas the other films yeah. are kind of the buildup to well, this. He makes the, the Coen Brothers-esque leap of creating his own world for each movie. A great point, yep. Whereas Cohen now deviate out of, they don't have the, the Miller's Crossings, Raising Arizona's, right. you know, type of, they've branched out to do no country type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But they'll still go back for Hail Caesar, which is right. a very eccentric type of Cohen Brothers esque uh, world, which yeah. Anderson does. Right. It's like uh, uh, Rushmore before was still kind of grounded. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tenenbaum start to you know, a series of movies that are just kind of a whimsical world. And yeah. we're going to tell a story from that whimsical world. A fantastical gets, whimsical world. Yeah. yeah. He gets deeper into that rabbit hole later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just think if it didn't have Gene Hackman, I don't know how often I would go back to rewatch this movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. He's hands down my favorite part of the movie. Okay. Uh, and it's like you were saying with you'll watch... Cinderella Man, mm-hmm. whatever. There's so many other Wes Andersons that I will take over this. Wow, interesting. To watch okay. before I go back. At this point, it's just like I don't know. It never now and now having had it a part of my life for so long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's got a ton of comedy. The casting is awesome across the board. Everybody yeah. brings to get to life an eccentric character, and yet it's they're all individuals, and it's not just like oh, you're doing that weird thing. Like they had. It rehearsals. Yeah, Maybe right. I should right. do my weird thing over here, and they're just doing competing, <laughs> competing weird things. Right. It feels organic within the world that they. Yeah. 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 As opposed to contrived. Yeah. Even Stiller, who really has no business fitting in a world so cute and concise and uh, quaint as uh, Wes Anderson's worlds usually are, yeah. he fits into this particular world in his own way, even with his anger and his natural. <sighs> aggressiveness bless you, uh, that he has as an actor you know so yeah i agree uh all right well anyway that's our uh separate top 10 films of 2001 now we're going to put this list together get some bongos out and uh and then and, and, uh end this show all righty okay all right. do you have a coin just in case uh yeah i've got one on this uh, on my table right. here somewhere cool uh, well, we both had Sexy Beast 2-3. Okay. I think that ends up, because Tenenbaums, I've got seven, and you've got Beautiful Mind where? Uh, six. Okay, so Sexy Beast, I think. Those. What about Ocean's Eleven? Where's that at for you? Live? Oh, okay, 2-5? Okay, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. 2-3 should go up then. I would say then 1-6 of A Beautiful Mind beats 2-5 of Ocean's. Hmm. And then beats a one seven of ten and bombs. So the question becomes: Do you want ten and bombs to go next or oceans? I feel like oceans should go next because it's two higher numbers, right? Two five. Is that what you said? Or two five? Uh, yes. Yeah, I feel like two five is better than one six, right? Because the six drags it down. Now the way we've done in the past is basically in essence, since one beats two. Yeah. That's the more important matchup for us as opposed to five and six. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. All right. That's fine. So ten and bombs and then oceans. Yeah. Uh, or because we're sexy. It goes sexy number one. Right. 
Beautiful Mind 2. Okay. Tentatively right now, uh, Oceans or Tenenbaums. If you want to go Tenenbaums next, that's fine. Yeah, Tenenbaums next. next. And then Oceans. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, All right. So number five... So we only have what memento Wait, in common? My ten of is or one. Is it is it your number six or the five? Seven. Oh, it's your seven. So therefore yeah. the one six will beat the one seven. All right, fair. Yeah. All right. So then we're at where at five? Yeah, so I would say what monsters, because we both have that. Yeah, we both have monsters. And do we want to keep memento near the bottom since it's what okay. nine yeah. eight? Yeah. And you're not right. taking uh conspiracies off to put Black Hawk down on at ten, right? No. No. Okay. I'll leave Sorry. it be. All right. So then what's your next highest? Uh, training day at four. Okay. I got fellowship at four. We'll flip a coin oh, for that. Shit. Oh, shit. One second. Let me grab the coin. A man movie versus a child's movie. All right. All right. That's right. I said you can come after me for that, people. You come after me. You come tweet at me. Kristen Smith, you bring it. You know training day is a better movie. You don't catch people whining in training day, for God's sakes. You know what I'm talking about. I'm getting This is my ASMR voice. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. Right on. All right. You want to call it in the air? Sure. Let's go three. Tails. Oh. I was going to say three, two, one. Yeah, go. Tails. Ooh. It is heads. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. All right. So Lord of the Rings training day. Okay. Uh, my next highest is Shrek at seven. I would say mementos have that in common. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I got spirited away at six. Okay. You had Shrek at seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Shrek it is. All right, perfect. There we go. That's ten, right? Yep. Awesome. Let's do this thing. Uh, the top ten films of two thousand one. Yeah. At number ten, Shrek. At number nine, Spirited Away. At number eight, Memento. At number seven, Training Day. At number six, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. At number five, Monsters Incorporated. At number four, Ocean's Eleven. At number three, The Royal Tenenbaums. At number two, A Beautiful Mind. And our number one film of 2001 is... Sexy Beast. Yes, 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 Grosna. Yes, yes. Um, well, there you go. Great year. Great um, year. Hopefully you're having a successful uh, move, or you had a successful move by the time this hopefully, comes out. Hopefully I did, yes. Hopefully I did. Hopefully and I things are going well for you over there. Enjoy San Diego. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward uh-huh. to it. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I give you some restaurants that I've been to down there that I enjoy oh, thoroughly. Great. That would be very nice of you. I would have no problem. I can put yeah. together a, a little list of I'm not sure what's open. Okay. Okay. But yeah, even once they open back up, I'm sure though you can find them on Yelp and you know what I mean? Well, no, it's, but it's always good to have an outside person actually been to these restaurants because Yelp is strangers. And so people I know, whose opinion I know I trust, then yeah, I'd be more conducive to try those restaurants out. Are they all like downtown restaurants or are they restaurants around the San Diego area? Um, no, they're all over. There's some okay. in La Jolla, down in PB, oh, over in uh, 
Bankers Hill, which is up near Balboa Park. Okay. Um, down in the the valley where the Fashion Valley down in that area. Okay, cool. There's a cool steak shop. Um, now we're talking. Yeah, there's it's all over the place. Um, all right. But I don't know how many of them are still there. Right. 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 Especially after COVID. So hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, all but, right. Cool. I'm down. But yeah. Have a safe movement. Thank you, my man. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, thank you all so much for listening to us and watching us on the top 10. We really appreciate it. Listen to us on the podcast uh, uh, feed. Uh, please remember, we are on camera on the top 10 YouTube uh, channel as well. So go over there and subscribe to the top 10 YouTube channel and enjoy us uh, telling you everything we feel about movies and about the year in movies and everything else we've got going on. The golden tickets over there. The topic thunders are over there. So all the stuff that you enjoy uh, in your ears, you can actually enjoy on your in your eyes as well and watching us do that and you, if you could subscribe that would be great as well um don't forget our patreon is uh, patreon.com slash the top 10 the number 10 there go and see the multiple tiers you can be a part of with us what else matt i think that's it for the show thanks to everybody that helps okay. us with the on the the back end joe barra mike shea bobby carney bobby killing it on the social media oh, uh, yeah. matthew iso Kristen smith and christos alexakos uh, all those people that help us put this show together uh, week in, week out. We thoroughly appreciate it. And uh, you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, check out Dropping Dimes or Settle the Score anywhere you get uh, uh, podcasts and shows. And that's it for me this week. There you go. You, and don't forget about the golden ticket every Monday. We do that on the YouTube channel as well. So go and enjoy watching uh, your fellow fans who you've maybe had conversations with um, on in the in the Facebook group or online on Twitter or what have you. See, put a face to a name and watch yep. them compete uh, with us. Those golden tickets have been an absolute joy to, to to be a part of, and they're so much fun. So go and give that some more love and some patronage. Remember to like all those videos and leave comments on those videos. It's important for us in that uh, algorithm of YouTube. Uh, you can follow me at the Rokasez on Twitter and on Instagram. Please don't please don't forget to, I've got the Cinephiles podcast and the Geek Buddies podcast as well roaming around and don't forget my youtube channel itself youtube.com slash john roca says go be a part of that as well uh all right that's it for us uh we're gonna get out of here take care of yourselves be well wear a mask and uh we'll talk to you next time on the top 10 show 